0: The last line in the bulletin for the choir anthem, I'm going to shout, when the Spirit says shout, shout on the day that love wins out. Probably the, the firmest belief I have in all the world is that one day love will win out. And we uh, work for that, and we strive for that, and we pray for that. Um, I'm always a little sad on the day that we appreciate the choir and on the day that the choir sings for the last time for the summer um, because I, I'm so blessed every week by what the choir does. And while Marilyn didn't uh, point the finger at herself in terms of praise, uh, we need to thank Marilyn for everything she gives to the choir. Mm-hmm. During the summer, we will have special musics of all sorts. Uh, Brad and Marilyn will be working on that, and the summer is a, is a great time for them to work on the music that will be coming up next year. Uh, you may notice, or you may not notice, we work really hard to be in sync with music and message and themes, and they work. I'm amazed sometimes that they figure out something to be used with some of the uh, themes that I come up with. So, let's get going here. Some things are incompatible, correct? Oil and water, orange juice and toothpaste. Some things are incompatible. Cats and baby birds, me trying to fly and gravity. Some things are incompatible. A banana and a glass of Sprite. Don't believe it? Give it a try. Other things are seemingly incompatible, but you discover that they really get along just fine. Watching the first Star Wars movie, you are convinced that Han Solo and Princess Leia are completely and totally incompatible a princess, and a smuggler. But as the movies continued, you discover that, in fact, they are very compatible indeed. Has anybody here ever eaten a hot dog from the Dirty Dogs kiosk at Home Depot? Are you kidding me? Nobody here has done that, or nobody wants to admit it? (laughs) This is a trip that you need to go on. I usually get a Chicago dog with no tomatoes, and it's delicious. One day as I was waiting for my Chicago dog, I noticed that on the menu there was a thing called Emily's dog. According to the menu, it is a hot dog lathered with peanut butter. Hmm, that sounds incompatible and a little gross but also intriguing. So the next time I grilled out at home, I put a hot dog on the grill and spread peanut butter on the bun. I was not expecting much, but I gotta tell you, it was amazing, and now it is one of the several ways that I eat hot dogs. It might seem incompatible to some that a lifetime Lifelong die hard, I can take it. I'm a Cubs fan pastor would be incompatible with a congregation in St. Louis filled with St. Louis Cardinals fans. But I think we get along, okay? Don't we? Linda has way too much Cardinal stuff in her office, but that's all right. In the first century, actually through all of history before that, it was understood that Jews and non-Jews were incompatible, they could not get along, they could not even eat together, they were at odds in all things. From the beginning of their existence, Jewish folks experienced prejudice and hate from their non-Jewish neighbors. Their monotheism was foreign to most of the tribes and nations they encountered, and their objections to the religious practices of other tribes set them up to be disliked and disdained. And sadly, anti-Semitism has been around since the beginning. And within the Jewish culture and teaching, there developed a strong distrust and dislike toward Gentiles, toward non-Jews. It was so bad that Gentiles blamed Jews for all their problems, and Jews blamed Gentiles for all their problems. There was a basic prejudice and hate that went both ways. And then Jesus came along. And while his ministry was primarily to Jewish folks, he preached good news of acceptance and grace to everyone and for everyone. Some of his most profound moments happened when he extended grace to Gentile seekers. Now, the church that grew up, that grew out of Jesus' ministry, was in the beginning primarily a Jewish movement. But it wasn't long until the wall started to come down between Jewish followers of Jesus and Gentile followers of Jesus. And Acts chapter 11, where the scripture was read this morning, is so important because it is the beginning of the tearing down of the walls. One of the benchmarks of the early church is that it proved that that which seemed incompatible was indeed compatible. Here's a story. Peter has been out wandering around Palestine sharing the good news of Jesus and his grace. After his travels, he returns home to Jerusalem where he is roundly criticized for his behavior while on his missionary journey. The bad behavior? It seems that while Peter was in Caesarea, a city on the Mediterranean Sea, he ended up eating with some Gentiles. Oh my! Big whoop de doo right? But to some, it was a big deal. Some folks were irate. How could you possibly eat with Gentiles? They're gross. They're unclean. Peter's response to those complaining, chill out. Let me tell you this amazing thing that happened to me while I was in Joppa. I was up on a roof praying, When all of a sudden, I had a vision. In my vision, I saw this humongous tablecloth being lowered from heaven. It settled in front of me, and I looked at the cloth, and on top of it were all sorts of animals. A voice said to me, Peter, better get up. Kill what you want and eat to your heart's content. But I responded, no way. Most of these foods are forbidden by the law to eat. They are unclean. They are incompatible with my religious sensibilities. I heard the voice again, and the voice simply said, Peter, listen. Nothing is unclean when God has made it clean. This vision had three rounds, each round playing out the same way. Giant tablecloth, Lots of animals, the command to kill and eat, the refusal, the response, nothing is unclean when God has made it clean. At that very moment, as the vision was coming to an end, three men knocked on the door. They asked me to come to their house in Caesarea, and I felt the Spirit leading me to do so, even though they were Gentiles. I entered their house, and the man who had sent for me told me that he had had a dream, and in the dream he had been encouraged to call for me and to ask me to explain what it means to follow Jesus. So I did. I shared the good news of Jesus, and the people in the room believed and were filled with the Holy Spirit, even though they were Gentiles. After that, I have to admit, they... Were more like brothers to me than Gentiles who I'm supposed to avoid. So we ate some lunch together. When the people who were complaining about Peter heard this story, they were overwhelmed. They all said, if God can work in these Gentiles' hearts, who are we to judge them? Now, this is really important to note. This moment, this event change the trajectory of the early church. It would not be a Jewish movement or a Jewish sect. It would be recognized as that group of people which take that which seems incompatible and makes them compatible. As Paul would later write, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So cool. But I got to tell you, I have obsessed over the nuts and bolts of Peter's vision this entire week. I have scoured commentaries. I have perused Jewish literature trying to understand the weirdness of this vision. It is a tablecloth covered with living animals whose meat would be considered unclean. Peter is commanded to kill the animals on the cloth and eat. Here's my problem. It just seems to me that if I am going to be convinced to change my eating habits, I want the process to be simple and straightforward. I don't want a tablecloth full of living animals that I have to kill, clean, prepare, and eat. That seems like way too much work. See if this doesn't make more sense. When the tablecloth comes down, it is full of unclean animals, But they are all prepared and ready for consumption. There is a plate of fried shrimp, and a plate of pulled pork with barbecue sauce on the side, and a plate of crispy frog legs, and a bowl of turtle soup, and a couple of lobsters that are already boiled and ready to eat, and a big old plate full of sausages some escargot and some southern fried vulture and beautifully prepared swordfish and alligator burgers, all ready to eat. The voice says, pick up and eat and be careful not to get grease on your clothes. But in Peter's version, the tablecloth comes down and on the tablecloth, are pigs squealing and camels spitting and lobsters clawing and rock badgers climbing and eagles flying and crawdads hustling? Do you call them crawdads in Missouri? Okay. Crawdads hustling and owls hooting and ravens staring and bats and mice and rats all scurrying around. All of them need to be caught, all of them need to be killed all of them need to be cleaned all of them needs to be cooked it sounds positively exhausting kill and eat them says the voice so weird i was hoping that i would discover in jewish apocalyptic writings that killing live animals was somehow symbolic in some way but alas I read in vain this week trying to discover that. So after my obsessive search for why this vision is just weird rather than simple and powerful, I came up with just one answer. Visions, on the whole, tend to be weird. I think they are weird because that helps us remember them and talk about them and even to act upon them. Think about people in literature, and history, and in the scripture who had visions. Visions are just weird. Bran Stark's visions of three-eyed ravens are so odd. Dorothy's concussed dream of cowardly lions and flying monkeys is just weird. Notre Dame's had strange and dark visions. Teresa of Avila's visions during her dark night of the soul were nightmarish. John the Revelator, with his visions of beasts and dragons and fire pits, is bizarre. The prophets Daniel and Ezekiel have visions that are just mind-blowingly strange. Visions are weird. It's one of the reasons we remember them. And Peter's vision in the story may be a bit weird, but its message and impact are profound. Nothing is unclean. When God has made it clean. If only the followers of Jesus could learn to approach people who are different from them with this attitude. Nothing is unclean. Nobody is unclean. Nobody is to be avoided or rejected because God through Jesus declares us all clean. Amen.